harmony. Right, so I'm 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 so excited and honored just to share a little bit of what we're what, what we've been up to, what we're learning, what our learning's like. What is that? What do I mean by that? What do I mean our learning? Uh, I'm so blessed to be part of a, of a family that's larger than just our own nucleus of Baruch Hashem, my wife and five children, but. I live amongst a bunch of people in Efrat that physically made Aliyah whenever they chose to make Aliyah and realized that it only starts once you make Aliyah. That Ratzon we're talking about, it only starts once you get here. And anyone that's made Aliyah knows exactly what I'm talking about. A bunch of people that want to keep on making Aliyah all the time, nonstop, to keep on making Aliyah. That whole thing of like, you make it, you made it because you moved here, so you have to tell that the people before they actually move here to get them here, right? But then it only starts, it really starts afterwards. And it's probably the most gorgeous group of chavra that, uh, I mean, everyone should feel like this, but just like this gorgeous group of chavra. It's a blessing. It's a wonderful kehila now that Baruch Hashem is about 160 families and tons and tons of children and tons and tons of passion filled with... Um, daily learning every single day for men and for women, for children, and with, with this thirst of, of feeling like that whole talk about Reshit Smichad Gulatenu, that we're back here because we're here, we're here to see the great day come, and we don't want to be spectators, not just spectators that, live, that, that are chutzlars, but even spectators that are here, to feel like we're, we're really feeling like we're part of a bigger picture. And the Chavah is on fire. Fire, fire, fire. And they push me, they inspire me every single day. And whatever I say won't be enough, but some of you have been there, and I just want to extend that invitation. To come for a Shabbos, come for a, come for a Tuesday morning for that. Honestly, like, <laughs> you'll, get the, you'll get the feel of it. The women are on fire. The women have the Chavah there. It's really, something, it's really something else. And we get to learn. We get to learn. We, do, we get to do a lot of work with what we learn. We don't move on to another Sefer until everyone has actually written a tefillah based on what they learn. You know? It's, it's, we're in an era right now where there's so much knowledge, there's so much knowledge, it's so accessible. But what's not yet accessible is how do you get that knowledge and put it in our hearts? V'yadata hayom v'hashevota elevavecha is probably the best description of the motto and the style of learning of what we're into. Actually, like consciously working on taking all the holy knowledge that we have and bringing it into our hearts. And it's also the, the, the dream that we've been working on for a while where we've just created this machon, this new institute called Machon Zimrata Arts, where we had the privilege of having six young couples move into the neighborhood this last summer and are learning all day and are doing this kind of real strong work of opening their heart. And we're spending a lot of time with them. Training is a, it's a very aggressive word. I don't want to say training, but sharing. Sharing is a better word. Sharing what we've been privileged to do and hopefully give them the tools to then spread their light here in Eretz Yisrael and do the same. And the whole notion, again, is learning something and bringing it, getting it to come into our hearts so that it plays an active role in our hearts. And I can give a few examples, maybe I will in, in just a few moments. But this, what we're learning, obviously, right now, is what on earth does it mean 
that we're about to crown Hashem as king. Let's be real. It's, it's big words. In Lubavitch, they, you know what they call it, Rosh Hashanah Yom HaKoronatsia, right? The day of coronation. So it's great, it's cool, it's like, it's nice lingo, it's, it's beautiful. What does it actually mean to make Hashem a king in the world? And what does it mean to make Hashem a king over me? What does that mean? What does that mean? This day of Rosh Hashanah is so mysterious. It's so unclear. And even the, even the halakha doesn't really help us clarifying, but it gives us very interesting guidelines as to what it is and what it isn't. So I'll just learn with you two halachot, and then we'll take the dat and try to bring it down into the lev, if that's okay. Just to give you a little bit of an example. A little bit of halacha, just to explain what the halacha says that guides us, and then bring it down into the heart. You know, Rosh Hashanah is such a weird thing. If the Torah, if the Torah didn't call Rosh Hashanah a Yom Tov, a Mikra Kodesh, we'd probably all fast on Rosh Hashanah. When you think about it, when what the day, essence of the day is. And in fact, in earlier generations, in the times of the Geonim, a lot of the Chachamim were fasting on Rosh Hashanah. Listen, it's, it's, sorry, it's the day, it's the, <laughs> it's the day you're standing and it's the Gzar Din, right? So where did, if it wasn't for the Torah saying, yeah, 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 listen, it's, it's intense, but make a Yom Tov out of it. And Allah tells us, make a Yom Tov out of it, but it's not exactly what we're accustomed to when it comes to Yom Tov. On the other Chagim, we say, Mu'adim besimcha, Chagim uzmanim lesasom. There's none of that language in Rosh Hashanah. And there's a lot of different examples. There's another thing that the Halacha says, the Mishnah explains to us, that on Rosh Hashanah, you're supposed to wear really nice clothing, but not your best type of clothing. The Mishnah Baruch says this. Not your best, but better than usual. And there's all these examples where the, Torah, where the Halacha is kind of telling us, yeah, like, this is, a, this is awesome, but don't lose consciousness for a second, even when it talks about the types of meals. This may be a big uh, relief to some of the chevra in the room. You can't say the women in the room, because in 2023, you know, I'm sure the men are working just as hard as the women are in the kitchen, right? Right? Right. Yes. right. Of course, of course. We're very politically... We are correct. We are politically... Anyway, so the halacha says... Eat, have seudot, but, but don't eat too much. No much. We're, we're on Yom Tov, it's always like fresh away, you know. It says eat, but don't eat too much because don't forget, don't eat too much that it takes you away of remembering the consciousness and the awareness of the day itself. That you're actually still standing before a king and his judgment day. Yes, it's true. Like the tourist says, we get dressed in white, which is the difference between us and other people that are on trial because we're certain it's going to be good. But it's kind of like, don't be too certain. There's this tension in the halacha. It's, like, it's a tension there. It's very, very interesting. And the halacha also tells us the following thing. Very clear halacha that you're all very aware of. And I'm sure it's no chiddush to anybody. That if there's probably one word that shows up more than any other word in the, in the, in the, throughout the whole text of Rosh Hashanah Kippur, what word would it probably be? Hamelech. Hamelech, right? Hamelech. It's funny, my favorite time Hamelech shows up is Baracha Me'en Sheva on Friday night in Magen Avot. Mm-hmm. Right? You know what you know that 
מגן אבות דברו, חייבים אותי לומר, המלך הקדוש שאין כמוהו. I don't know why that sticks up for me the most. המלך הקדוש מאין כמוהו. הלכה says, when it comes to davening, I'll say it to me תשובה. If you didn't say המלך הקדוש in the beginning, gotta go back. Even הלכה is telling us, like, listen, the whole thing is מלכות, is מלך. The whole thing is about going back to, 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 to מלכות, to the place of, of kingdom. What does that mean? What does that mean? I want to jump to one of the greats in Am Yisrael today, one of the greatest Rebbes this door has been blessed with. Moreinu verabeinu harav eviatar bana. You've heard of him? <laughs> he's, he's, he's a... You know, his older brother was actually like my Rebbe. His, I don't know if how many of you knew his older brother who died from cancer about six, seven years ago. His older brother was Meir Banai. Have you heard of Meir Banai? Meir Banai was... He was our Baal Tefillah. He, oh, he only knew how to... He screamed. He, oh, he was in a state of Zaka. Tzaka Taleb. If you know his songs, like... Shachamim. Even his love songs were like... Mamish, it could have been like... Shir Shirim. Avak Tzara. His music was... was something else, and since I was a little kid, I was so into him. I one time had the privilege of going up to him, and then at a later stage in life, he, he did tshuva, he, he called himself a dati freelance. Everyone always wanted to know, I'm a freelancer about tshuva, right? Freelance, so meduyak, so good, you know? What are you guys? Is that a Karabakh minion? And, and, I, and I always say no, like that. Wait, so are you? I was like, yes, you know. It does, these things don't matter anymore. Breast of it, these things, Bemet. We have to, we have to be kashur to all worlds of Torah. Rav Kook has to touch our hearts like the Gaon of Vilna does in today's day and age. And Ma'asot. Everyone's Torah. So I once went up to him after a concert and I said to him, Meir, I want to tell you that I feel that I'm going to pray for you before I was going to pray for you. I felt like you were always davening whenever you were singing. Even before you were from, and he said, Right? So his brother was a very big influence on me. When I met my wife, basically, our whole period of dating was just going to Mayor Banai shows wherever he was playing across the country. And, and when she, and he has a beautiful song that he wrote from the tefillah of Leil Yom HaKippurim by Sfardim. Nusach Sfard called Lechayli Chukati. You know his nigun Lechayli? Maybe we'll sing it. What a nigun. What a, what a masterpiece. In any event, after he died, my wife and I were looking for about for another Shliach Tzibor. And uh, his brother, his younger brother, is Aviatar Banai. It's, there's 13 years apart between them. And Aviatar is a, is a big yid. He's a big, big yid. And a few years ago, I, in, in Rosh Hashanah, I quoted him in Shul after I heard him say the most incredible explanation of what it means to make Hashem a king over me. He said, making Hashem a king over me means that I look at my parents getting older and I accept that this is the way Hashem designed the world. Now, that's a very loaded statement. What does that mean? I asked him about this afterwards to discuss this in depth. What does that mean? See, Hashem created the world in a certain way. He designed the world. This is the way Hashem designed the world. The way that we have 
and everyone should live well, and everyone should be healed, even when it goes on the, on, the, on the course of this basic nature, your heart is still broken when someone that you love gets older or whatnot, and Khalila, in his situation, his father just died actually a few months ago. To be mamli Hashem is to say, I'm totally shalem with the way that you chose to design the world, and to really be okay with it to be mevutal to it. I haven't yet found the right word for mevutal, bitul in English. Some like to say self-annihilation. Mashlim. Huh? Bitul? Mashlim. Huh? That's Hebrew. Saying in English. Bitul, mevatel myself, I nullify myself. Surrender sounds unfortunately a little bit too... uh, non-Jewish, meaning all these words are self-effacing, all these words are correct, but bitul is still better, you know what I mean? <laughs> bitul. Bitul means to be mamli Hashem as king, means that I come to shleimut in my heart, that this is how you design the world, HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And for many of us, that's the hardest thing in the world, to actually simply just be shalem with the design of the world. That's that's one level of malchut of Hashem in the world. That's one level. Nowhere. Hmm? Nowhere. Must I mean it? Nowhere. Ayn. Ayn. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're, we're good. We're, we're, we're good with sticking to Bittl. Ayn. 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 That's the word. That, that's where my help comes from. When I'm realizing that I'm that I'm nothing, but most people that I that I've talked to, that when they work from the place of feeling like they're nothing, they get so stuck in that concept of nothing. We have to try to work from somewhere else. What does it mean that we're crowning Hashem? That the whole day is about malchuyot. The whole day is about Hashem being king. You know why the halacha tells us that you have to stick so much about Hamelech Hakadosh, even with the halacha. Because it's an amazing thing. Remember, we're being judged. We're on trial that day. And when we're on trial, we're so, so concerned about me, about the I, about the hefech of Ayn, about the other shinui otiyot of Ayn is Ani. We're so obsessed with me and my details. Will it be good for me? Will this work out for me? Is this in my best interest? The halacha itself is making sure that our consciousness stays away from being so filled with self-interest. And the Midrash tells us that in Rosh Hashanah, Hashem looks at the angels who had all these tainas to Hashem saying, don't create man, they're going to get stuck in this world of ani, of selfishness. And Hashem turns to the Malachim and He says to the Malachim, do you see my children? On the day of their trial, look what they're so much more concerned about than themselves. They're concerned about me, Hashem is saying. They're concerned about my melucha. They're concerned about my kingdom. We see this also a little bit if you go to the pnimiyut of the depth of Tisha B'Av. Tisha B'Av became a day where we, we cry, Oy mehayalanu, it's all about us. But if you stop for a second, and I don't know if you've ever, this ever happened to you, did you ever see your own father cry? Did any of you ever see one of your own parents cry? 
You know what's an incredible thing? Is that you can be going through the deepest depths of hell in your life, but at that moment that you see your parent cry, you completely forget about your own, your own problems, your own settlement. It changes. Everything shifts. So on Tisha B'Av, we connect to that in the level that I stop thinking about, oi, what I had, what I had. I forget about that. And I think about, wait a second, I went out into Galut after the Beit HaMikdash was destroyed, my home was destroyed, and hey, you know, I built Shari Shamayim's, you know, I built some, or Mishkan Avram's, I should say, right? I built some big shuls, I built some big places. I stopped being homeless, right? Hashem's still homeless. Hashem stayed homeless. Hashem stayed homeless. So on, on Rosh Hashanah, the way I do this is like, I know I'm on trial, but wait a second, the focus of Chazal are telling me is Be'emet, the biggest way that you could be kashur to the aspect of the chidush ha-melucha in the world, that Hashem becoming king, is to just think about the king and stop thinking about yourself. And just think about what could I do for the melech? What could I do for the king? What could I do for the melech right now? So we said one thing working on being shalemed with the design of this world. This is the way Hashem designed the world, Alpi Teva, and we're doing our best just to be aligned with the way Hashem designed the world. But another level, I don't know if it's deeper or not, that helps me connect very much with the concept of Melucha, of Mamlacha, on Rosh Hashanah is the following way. I heard this story a number of years ago, and I hope that I finally believe in it after I share it with you tonight, after I've probably said it 50 times. Certain stories you've got to keep on saying until you believe it. All right? And this, I believe, is how you become an Eved of the Melech. Listen to this. You know, to my family, from my mother's side, we come directly from the line of Ger, of Gur, Hasidim. My great-great-grandfather, my mother, was the Chidush Arim, the first Ger Rebbe. And, you know, Ger is, a, Ger is Malchut. Ger is like kingdom, you know, as like Hasidim. It's, I don't know if any of you have come from that line, but Ger, the Ger Hasidim, have a, they have it down. They really... And even their music sounds like, like music of monarchy. It's like marches. No one knows Ger Nigunim. No one sings Ger Nigunim at a concert, right? It's, it's marches. It's like royal bands are, are playing, you know, the, the or- orchestra music. Anyway... So the story happened about 35 years ago that a ger Talmud in the, in, the, in the yeshiva in Yushalayim was leaving back to New York to his family after learning in the yeshiva for a while. What does he do the night before he goes back to Yushalayim? He went to go daven at the Kotel. Listen to this story. This is, this is unbelievable. He goes and he davens at the Kotel. And he's noticing, he's davening, and then he opens his eyes and he looks to his left. He's like, oh my God, that's the... That's the Ger Rebbe, right over here. Oh my God. He's probably going to wonder, why am I ditching night Seder? You know, why? Oh my God, this is so uncomfortable. I hope he doesn't notice me, or whatever he was thinking. And he's davening, and he's davening. And then suddenly he feels a hand on his arm. And the Ger Rebbe notices him. And he said, his name was probably either Yitzhamai or Arye Leib, or, you know, because that's the line in Ger. Those are the names in Ger, right? So let's say his name was Arye Le, Yehuda, Yehuda Arye Le, like this Fasem, this is his name, I don't know. He said, Yehuda Le. He said to him in Yiddish, let me ask you one question. Just have one question. 
what's the greatest thing about Hashem? He's thinking, oh my God, you know, can you imagine him? But he was feeling at that moment, the he notices him, he puts his arm around him, he says, what's the greatest thing about Hashem? He doesn't even try to mumble anything. He realizes whatever would come out would sound like, you know, like that, right? So after a few seconds, the Rebbe looks at him and says, the greatest thing about Hashem is that he never laughs and walks away. As puzzled as he was from the question, he was infinitely more puzzled by the answer. He goes back to America, and a year later he comes back to the Ger Yeshiva, and now that Rebbe had died, and now the new Rebbe was there. I don't remember the names exactly, if it was the Pnei Menachem or the Leib Simcha. I'm not sure exactly which Rebbe's it were. It was, I should by now, but I don't remember. He comes to greet the new Rebbe the first day in Elo in the Yeshiva. Oh, Shalom Aleichem. Yeah, I'm back after a year being in America. I'm back in Eretz Yisrael now, learning in Ger now. And the Rosh Yeshiva said, it's so good to have you here. And, and the Talmud says, I just have one question. It's been bothering me for a year. He says, yeah. He said, I was with the Rebbe's father last year at the Kotel. He tells him what happened. And he tells him what, he says, your father asked, the Rebbe's father asked me, what's the greatest thing about Hashem? And, and, um, and the Rebbe said, no, what did my father say? So he said, well, he said something that I, a whole year, I'm trying to understand what it means. He said that God never laughs. That's the greatest thing about God, that he doesn't laugh, right? <clears throat> so the Rebbe starts laughing. He's like, ha, 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 ha. He says, you know what that means? He says, let me tell you something. When you have new guys in yeshiva, and they start slacking off after like a week or two, and like the first week they're coming to Minyan every day, every Seder, it's all good. But then like they stop coming to Minyan, Chulein. So I call them in for a sicha, and they tell me, oh, no, I'm, uh, listen, I'm slacking off, I'm going to be better, you're going to see. And that lasts for another week. They may get the Rosh Hashanah high and the Yom Kippur guilt, and that lasts for another few weeks, right? Then comes like Cheshvan, and again, these guys are slacking off, right? And I call them in for another sicha, another conversation, and say, guys, you got you know, you to get it together, like, come on. And they say, no, Rebbe, I promise you, I promise you, you'll see, this is going to change now. And I say, fine. But this is happening back and forth, right? And then Hanukkah, again, they've missed like three nights in a row, two shakras is here and there. And they come in for another sicha. And the Rebbe says to them, you need to get it together. And they say, oh, I, we promise. We're, you'll, you'll see, everything's going to change now. The Rebbe says, <laughs> you and I both know that you're not going to get it together, right? But Hashem never, ever laughs whenever He hears a Jew that says, I'm going to get it together this time. Can you imagine if we believed that story? Like if we, not the story, if we believed the Masha. I think that half the time we don't even come back to Hashem and say, I'm ready because we think He's laughing. We think he's laughing, because we're laughing at ourselves. An Evid of the Melech never laughs at himself. He takes himself seriously. A son of the king doesn't laugh either. When he has a moment of feeling like he wants to be a Ben Melech again. Evid Melech, Ben Melech, doesn't matter over here in this context. The Chidush of Rosh Hashanah being the day of the Koronatsia, the coronation of the king, depends on how much 
I take that moment of awakening that I want to be closer to you, that I want to, I want to, I want to grow, and I don't laugh. And I really, inside, don't chuckle. And I look at the halacha, and the halacha is telling me, HaMelech HaKadosh, eat not too much, wear beautiful clothes, not the best, it's because the whole day of judgment is dependent on whether you laugh at your own from attacks or not. Stam, from it, whatever you want to call it, from attacks, Hashem attacks, doesn't matter to me, whatever that is. If you don't laugh at it, and you all know that the older we get, the harder it becomes to not be cynical. And I think, personally speaking, that's what's happened in a lot of communities across the globe where we're okay with so much less than what we could be. Just to stay in the fold, just to stay in the fold. When I, I think that in our heart of hearts, what we really want to do more than anything is to be part of the Malchut of Hashem. But that means, based on what we just said right now, is that I don't laugh. When I have that voice, that I don't laugh, that I take myself seriously time and time and time again. <clears throat> time and time and time again. I was sharing with the Chavr the other day then. When we come slichot and we, we say kedali mocherash, my brothers never knew that the words in there. Re'eh amidateinu dalim bereikim. See how we're standing before you. We got nothing, and yet still, I'm taking myself seriously that I want this time for it to be real. I had a, so I shared with the chaver and shir the other day that exactly around this time, three uh, four years ago, a friend of mine. You were in that shir, right? When I said this, you wrong. When I said about that time that I was away, a friend saw that things were getting intense, as happens in kahilas that are growing. And he saw, like, you need to get out of here for a day. And he schlepped me. I said, I'm going. And he schlepped me to one of these nice places where, remember how to breathe again? You know, place close to Yushalayim without mentioning names. And we're eating dinner. And suddenly I get a call. And... The call is like, hi, shalom, ken, shalom, shalom, ken. Lishmol chamakom b'chanaya, achetzi makal parpo, atapo. So basically he was saying, should I save you a seat in the, should I save you a spot in the private parking? Half the crowd's here already. I said, like I said, very funny. You know, there, it was a concert in Petach Tikva. I said, uh, it's very funny, you know, we, we, it's tomorrow night, you know, I'm speak. He's like, he says, Ah, very funny. He says back to me, oh, that's very funny. And then I'm like, oh my God, oh my God. And at that moment, I was thinking about like Tzlichot and, you know, you know, I got nothing, right? So I'm thinking like, what right now, like, what in the world could I tell this guy right now? There's nothing that I could tell him other than I got nothing. I just got nothing. I messed up. But I want to make it up to you. And to be sincere about that. And I went to the side, and I said, Tishma, אני הולך להגיד לך משהו כל כך אמיתי עכשיו, אבל האמת הזאת תכאיב לך. I said to him, I'm going to tell you something, the honest, like such deep truth right now, but this piece of truth is probably going to mess you up. 
<laughs> and I said to him, I, and I was so proud of myself, but also so embarrassed, I said, I got nothing to tell you right now. I messed up. And I'm in Harei Yerushalayim right now. I'm nowhere near Petach Tikva. I don't even have a guitar or a proper shirt I would feel comfortable wearing in public right now. And then before I could say, but the truth is, I want to make it up, to, you know, <laughs> he, he hung up on me, but the, the point was, like, when I went back to that story, is like, there are certain moments in life where on the one hand, it's true, you say, but Hashem says, it's true, it's true, like, I coming, I got nothing. I could schlep with you all my mitzvahs and Torahs and shiurim and concerts the whole year. I don't feel it justifies anything standing before you and asking you for life right now. Nothing does. Just matnat chinam. But what this story and what really the light of the Baal Shem Tov comes to bring to our life, to our hearts, is that God takes you as serious as you take yourself. Hashem takes us as seriously as we take ourselves. And that means that I have to make my relationship with God an intimate relationship. Something very real. Something very mamashi. Something very active. Elokai, my God. Not the God of my father. Or like we were learning earlier this week, a God of an idea that I read in a book. I need to establish something very personal. The Machzer doesn't help us with that too much. We got to do something more than just what the machzor is to make it very personal, because I essentially need to feel, mamash, that I am in an active relationship with someone that takes me seriously, in order to take myself seriously. The Baal Shem Tov's light restored something that was lost in the world. It wasn't a chidush. It wasn't something new. It was like we would say in Ibu lachzir atara leyoshna. It was to bring back something that was, that over the years got lost. lost. And it's a very unfortunate thing, but it's because another religion kind of hijacked this word when it came to relationships with God, even though it's the most Jewish concept in the world. And that word is love. If I believe I'm in a state of love with Hashem, I'll probably take myself much more seriously and I'll pay attention to the moments when I feel like I want to wake up. But let's be real. Cynicism and sarcasm has penetrated its way through so many layers within Orthodox communities, modern Orthodox, whatever you want to call it. It's mamish made its way through everything. And it's not who we are, and it's not what we want, and it sure isn't what we want to give to our children. At all. It's the last thing we want to give to our children. But it's such a deep avoda to feel again that I'm in the presence of, of, of love. It's a it's a mind it's a mind blowing thing. That that restores. This is all melucha talk. This is all hamlacha talk. When I feel the love, I go back to Evya Tarbana's definition. When I feel the love, I'm shalem with the design of this world. Even when sometimes it's so painful, I'm shalem with it. You know, our chaver and Efrat learned a really really rough lesson through Emunah this year. Lucy D. Alea Shalom is basically our neighbor, was our neighbor. The D's live right behind the shul, right next to where we live. 
One of the most powerful moments in our lives was hearing Leo. I, we, went, we got smicha together in Efrat like 20 years ago. Hearing Leo speak at the... At, which one was it? At it was his daughter's funeral. Because his wife succumbed to her wounds a, a day or two later. Pesach was like, just going back and forth to the cemetery, you know. So Rabbi Leo D. said at the funeral, which was just, I couldn't believe he spoke like this. He said, he quoted Rabbi Ephraim Goldberg, and he said something that we, we've never forgotten. Emuna is simply focusing on what I have and not thinking about what I don't have. That's how you come to Emuna, one of the ways. And he's standing there, and he said, Emuna is... I have three children and not saying I don't have five children anymore. Can you imagine talking like that? And he himself said, said I, I talk like this because I'm in, I learn emuna every day, every single day. We started an emuna shir after that in Shul every Shabbos, where we're just trying to instill these concepts in our, in, our, in our lives. Do you know what we have that we don't access? I'll show you right now, okay? I'll show you. It'll be my guinea pigs. And if you've done this with me before, that's good. Go with it again. I'm from LA. I know this is going to sound weird and everything. Close your eyes for a second. Okay? No one's going to come tickle you. Or, you know, just, this is not like a, a Venice Beach Sunday afternoon meditation. Just, just two seconds of just like, Okay? Close your eyes. And... I learned this from my, 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 one of my big, greatest friends in the world, Rabbi Sholem Brat, who just had a 60-yard site. I saw him do this once, and very, very powerful. I want you all to think of two people that you, 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 you feel love for. You have love. You love them. And when, you, when you've thought about two people, then open your eyes, Okay. There's no right or wrong answer to the following question. The wrong answer is what you think I want to hear. Put it like that. That's the wrong answer. There's no right or wrong answer, okay? How many of you thought of someone else in this room right now? Raise your hand. Okay. About 50%, right? No? It's 50%? So I could tell you that Zichron is doing really good. And I'll tell you why. Very good, actually. I've asked this question hundreds of times by now with many different numbers of people, okay? The average percentage of people that raised their hand to that question, Israel's been with me 50 times at least. What's the average? Maybe 5% people raised their hands. So, God, man, what are you guys drinking here? This is like a lot of fifty percent. <laughs> Do you know why it's usually five percent? Do you know why it's usually five percent? I'll tell you why. What's that? Ah, 
it's usually this is very this is very deep. So there's guilt. Oh, so there's guilt. Okay, hold on a second. Hold on. Let me re-ask the question. Think about someone you love that's not the person you're going to feel guilty if you don't raise your hand. <laughs> Let's go back to what the point is. The point is like this. The percentage is so low. However, listen, listen closely. This is really the... This is Mamash, the... This is the basar of, of anything I wanted to share. The percentage is so low, it's because we're living in a generation that when I say love, I go somewhere else. It's not something that I even think. I'm supposed to be thinking that it's around me. I go, I go far. The Torah says, V'avta this is actually one of the only times I think the, the King James translation really was pretty accurate because the, the King James trans- translation says, Love thy neighbor like you love yourself, right? I live, Baruch Hashem, Rechov, Matitiao, Kohen. What an upgrade from Glenville, you know? <laughs> or Highlands, you <laughs> What an upgrade, right? What street were you on? Monty Mar. And now you're on? Hagduda Ivri, listen to these upgrades, right? Amazing. What a simcha, right? The Torah says to me, you live in Matityal Kohen 48. Love thy neighbor like you love yourself. You think that means, all the Torah means, that you should love whoever lives in Matityal Kohen 50 and 46? And the answer is yes. You know why? Because it's all you're able to love actively at that moment. Love the world. Let's fix the world. I love the phrase "tikkun olam," as if anyone understands what that means. Bichlam, are you worrying about the whole world for a second? Are you making sure that right now, who you're next to, there's love? Because if there is love and you're aware of it, that's next to you. You know what you have koach to do. You have koach to not laugh at yourself and take yourself seriously. <coughs> When you establish a community of people like that, you can do anything. It doesn't mean it's always serious and intense. That's not the, that's not the nikuda, But it's that you're around people that remind you that it's worth believing in yourself and it's worth taking yourself seriously. Because God takes you as seriously as you take yourself. That's malchut. That's the Malchut of Hashem. So, I just want to end actually with a nigun that is basically summarizes this whole thing. And my Rebbe for the last 20, 20 something years, my, 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 my light in my life has been Rabbi Moshe Weinberger. You, you've heard of Rabbi, Rabbi, Rabbi Weinberger? Rabbi Weinberger lives in, for, for now, in Woodmere, although, with Hashem, he has a place in Yerushalayim, but. He lives, in, he lives in Woodmere, New York, Kilat Eish Kodesh, named after the PSS that we spoke about before. And I heard the following teaching from him a number of years ago. I heard it, and I never happened before that after hearing a teaching, I dive into Hashem to write a nigun based on what I just heard. It's never <laughs> happened. So listen to the teaching. Before we said that the most common word in the Machzor, Roshon Yom Kippur, is Hamelech. But there's another word that shows up just as much, maybe even more, and that's the word uvechem. 
In modern Hebrew, first of all, it doesn't show up in modern Hebrew. That word is, you know, what women that, that are like in, in their late 80s use that in dialogue. Like, uvechen, mayesh lach right? Uvechen means like, uh, well then, or, you know, I don't even know how to say that in English. Uvechen, right? Uvechen. But in Rashani, I'm Kippur Davening, uvechen ten pachdecha, uvechen tzadikim, right? There's uvechen ten kavod Hashem la'amecha. All these uvechens, uvechens, uvechens. You've heard of the tour, right? The tour. It sounds like what I'm going to say. It sounds like it's the Kotzker Rebbe, or it's the Ishbitzer, or maybe even the, I don't know, the Nesil Shalom. This is the tour. We're talking halacha. The tour says like this. What's the root? Where is this word uvechen that shows up nonstop in the Machzor? Where is it rooted in our Masoret? Where does it come from? Where does it come from? There's another pasuk in the Tanakh with the word uvechen, and he says that's the root of it. Ahelige Malka, the Holy Queen Esther. When her life is on the line, and the Jewish people's life is on the line, she says uvechen avo el hamelech. She continues and she says asher lo kadat, meaning, I don't know what's going to be right now, Mordechai, Uncle Morty. <laughs> I have no idea what the state of the Jewish people... I, I have no idea. I just know that there's one thing that I got to do. I got to show up before the king. Even if it's asher lo chadat, which means that I don't do it properly, I don't look too from... Asher lo chadat, I don't look so proper... And even the chasher avadati avadati, and even if it all said is done, it doesn't work, uh, and it's done. That's not the, that's not my problem. My thing is avo elamelech. I just got to make sure that I show up before the king. The Torah says every time you say uvechein roshoni yom kippur, Esther Amalka is giving you koach to just show up, regardless of whatever you were a second ago. But if you take yourself seriously enough to at least show up right now, that's Malchus. I heard these words. Oh my God. Oh my God. This is like one of these moments where you hear a teaching and you're like, it was worth coming to this world to hear that Torah. We could say that a lot with music. Like, man, it was worth coming to the world to hear that riff. Right? It was worth coming to the world to hear that nigun. But sometimes, you know, you have teachings and you're like, I cannot believe that I existed before hearing that teaching. Because it puts everything into perspective. So I heard that teaching, and I heard it around Rosh Hashanah time. And then about five months later, I had, to, I had a few concerts in the New York area. It was March, it was bitter freezing. That was in, uh, if you know... Muncie area, I was in Pomona one night, it was pouring and uh, I was feeling like Erev Erev Purim and I remembered that teaching from Rosh Hashanah about Uvechen, I'm like wow, it's Uvechen it's happening right now and I stood, the people I was staying at relatives of mine, the kids were sleeping and I was pouring and I had my guitar with me coming home like 2 in the morning from a concert and I said Actually, I didn't realize how romantic what I'm describing is right now, but it really, it, this actually happened, like it's time. I'm not like dramatized, this actually, actually happened, you know. So, this is, this is the, the nikon that came down on the steps of, of, of my sister-in-law. 
we have a, a year where the Malucha lasts longer than just Rosh Hashanah and Kippur. It's a whole year of Malchut. And Mizrat Hashem will be active, active pawns in the revealing of Melech HaMashiach to come soon, speedily in our day of Bezrat Hashem. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Thank you. And we should have more opportunities to be together this year, please God. As a kiff.